Northside family just sing songs from all their heart, and I know our praise team, uh, we just really get into the truths of those songs. Um, that first song, All the People Said Amen, says we, were all, we are all broken, but we're all in this together. Amen? We're all broken, but we're all in this together. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit and God to help us through it all. And uh, we've been doing a little series called Not Afraid. And uh, today I'm just going to do a little short message because we're going to go out to the pond here and baptize quite a number of youth and um, just um, celebrate the new life in them. And I'm going to ask you as a church family while we're out there, I know you've been told this a bunch, but uh, you know when Alabama wins, we go nuts if you're an Alabama fan. If you're an Auburn fan, you know, once in a while when you all win, you do the same thing. So, uh, <laughs> so, But whatever it is you celebrate, you know, if your NFL team wins the Super Bowl, we go crazy. We run around our house and you know, I've beat the table. I'm, I'm real not animated normally, but I'm beating the table when we're scoring touchdowns and that kind of stuff. Listen, when young people, when anybody professes their faith publicly and says, I want to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and acknowledge publicly my salvation moment. When they come up out of that water, it better sound like Alabama just won the Super Bowl. You understand? I mean, we, as a church family, we, we need to sell it. The Bible says angels in heaven party over that. So surely uh, we here on earth could do something to encourage those young people. Amen? All right, so when we're at the pond, you don't forget that, and I'll look at you if you did. So I'll make the evil eye. So, But I want you to turn to Psalm 23, very familiar passage. We've been doing a little mini-series called Not Afraid, and it's just a way for me to draw your attention to the fact we've got a lot of interesting world events happening. Uh, August, September, and October are going to be a very interesting time in our nation. And we, some of us have been studying and looking at a bunch of that and kind of the economic forecast and the, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And in the process, um, I just felt it important to share with our church family, um, our hope is in God alone. And if you truly have a hope in God alone and your rest and your security is in Him, not in you and your stuff and your things, then honestly... The not afraid part is, is very easy for you to come by. And so um, so this morning, just as a way to add to our Not Afraid series, I thought I'd go to this great passage that's almost too familiar to a Psalm 23. It's read at a lot of funerals. Um, it's, it's read sort of sadly at times. People read it with sort of a sadness to them. It's not written that way at all. Um, but I, I, one of my favorite singers of all times... He's with the Lord now. He died in a plane crash in his young years as Keith Green. And uh, when I was growing up, he was a massive inspiration to me. If you've never read his book called No Compromise, you really ought to get that book because it's a life changer for, uh, for people who are seeking God and wanting to know some, you want to meet somebody that actually lived it out. So um, we're going to show you a little video, if it works, which we had a little challenge with it this morning. You won't be able to read the words over here. Somebody made this on YouTube, but it's actually Keith Green singing. The Lord is my shepherd, and I want you to hear the words, um, and it's just the words to the psalm, so you have them open. It's just a way for us to hear Psalm 23, a little, little new sound to it. So,
song, but I'm going to ask when we get to heaven, could Keith play his version too? Um, just because it's so rich to me. And, and, and it happened at a, a time in my life when I needed inspirational people and songwriters and, um, and the truth of what he was singing was in his heart. So it was really powerful for me. Let me ask this question. How many of you grew up in church? You, you were raised kind of a, you know, a child. You, 
always at church and hearing all the song, the, the stories um, of the Bible when you were young. So raise your hand one more time, all of our church. All right, so, so you got a bunch of the stories. Let me just ask, what's some of your favorite stories from childhood? Just call them out to me. What's your, some of your, when you're a little kid, you know, they tell you all this, we got children's church, you know, happening here every week and our pioneer club and all that, but we tell the, the stories of the Bible to the kids, right? Um, so what are some of your favorites that when you were a kid, you were like, ah, this is crazy. I love this. David and Goliath, that's the top top on the list. And if you haven't heard my rendition of David and Goliath, the pizza delivery boy, you just need to listen to a few of our back sermons and you'll get that. Actually, the last couple of weeks I've mentioned that. David and Goliath, I love that one. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Alicia. Esther, Esther good, good story. Good story in Esther. Great story in the Old Testament. Story of redemption. Samson. Samson, the big, strong Samson. Took out the deal. Yes, ma'am. Oh, when he walked on the water? Yeah, when Peter walks on the water, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus walks on water and Peter walks on water. Those are one of my favorite New Testament stories. Yes, ma'am. Cain and Abel. Yeah, an old, old, old story. Boy, that goes all the way back to the beginning. Yes, ma'am, right here. Say it again. Jesus, oh yeah, when he brings all the children to him. Oh, that's a great story. As a matter of fact, it's going to apply to what we're talking about right now. So, Somebody else, I saw another hand. Robert. Daniel in the lion's den. When Daniel's, Daniel's down in the lion's den and all the... Remember when you were a kid you had the little picture Bible and all the, all the lions, he's sleeping on the lions, remember that? And then, uh, you know, and then they throw the other guys in and they don't show that part in our picture Bible, but you know, where they eat all the other guys, that's pretty cool stuff. So... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it happened. Yes, ma'am. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, they marched round and round, looked like idiots. What are they doing out there? They're just marching around and singing. Just marching around and singing. And on the seventh day, it made a difference, didn't it? They marched around seven times on the seventh day. Yes, John. Oh, Gideon's one of my favorites of all time. Gideon, uh, just, uh, say again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, Gideon has 32,000 soldiers to help him take over an army that's literally conquered Israel for seven and a half years. And God says, you got way too many people. Let's go back to 300. Let's go back to 300 men. And uh, by the way, it's just 300 men that drink water a certain way. There's nothing special about that, but that's what happened. Yes, sir. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, anybody know? Hananiah, Mishael, and... Azariah, they're Jewish names. Those three guys are in the, in the fiery furnace. They're in the fiery furnace, and there's a fourth person. They throw them in, but there's four in there. And when you see that fourth one in there, remember when you were a kid, you're like, What's, who's the other guy? You know, and your teacher tells you, there's Jesus in there. I love that story, you know? The Lord went in there to protect them, and when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. That's good. Lauren. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Great, great segue for me. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember Elijah goes up on the mountaintop when you're a kid. You go up on the, and he goes up, and you hear the story. He goes up on the mountaintops and literally hundreds of other prophets. And he's facing them off and saying, I, I challenge, your, my God challenges your God to a duel. We can burn up this altar. You can't. And they pour water on it and everything else. And, and Elijah wins that day and then slaughters all those guys. Remember that is powerful. Bible says, in James, that Elijah is a man just like us. And you read that story and go, seriously. 
That's a man's man that would go up there and challenge 400 guys with his promised word from God and speak against 400 prophets of Baal. By the way, Baal, Baal worshipers are typically murderers, so the whole bunch of cruel, evil people on that hilltop that he looked in the eye and said, no, my God's going to do it, and you're all going to pay the price today. That's powerful. Yes, ma'am, Miss Barbara. Jonah and the big fish. That's right. We went through that a while back, just a few weeks ago. We studied Jonah. And, the, and remember as a kid when you see all that and you got Jonah down inside there, he's like eating. Remember I had a little table. In my picture Bible, he had a little table in there and he was eating in the belly of the whale, having like a whole little living quarters. I don't think that's how that worked, but that's my, the picture I remember as a kid. So, yes, ma'am, one more. Noah and the ark. Yes, that's one of my favorites. Noah and the ark. Remember the picture Bibles? And we had a, remember we had, I think our nursery for years was decorated that way. I love Tim Hawkins' take on that. You know, we, we got the ark with the, you know, the giraffe heads sticking out of it, which really never happened. But the giraffe heads are always sticking out of the ark somewhere. You know, and they're looking around like they're in the storm looking around kind of deal. And uh, we love that story because it's a story of redemption, right? We just forget to draw when we draw it all the people that the Lord judged for not following him. There's millions of dead people under the boat and banging into the boat and all that. We don't, that's not in our little children's Bibles, but it's part of the children's story. We just skip over the judgment part and get straight to the redemption part, right? Isn't that true? So it's pretty, pretty powerful. So I love Tim Hawkins' video on that. He's like, hey, why don't you, we're draw, painting in the nursery and he goes, yeah, why don't you just draw some dead people on those rocks over there while we're painting the nursery for the baby? So that'd be really good. So, um, but you know, the truth is, when you were a kid and you heard those Bible stories, wasn't there something powerful about that to you? Like when you left church, we used to sing this song with our kids, and um, I just remember it so strong. I remember the kids singing it with lots of energy. It's a real simple song. It says, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I remember as a kid thinking exactly that. I remember reading those stories going... So he goes into a fiery furnace and stands with a bunch of guys that should be burned up and doesn't let them get burned up. They don't even smell like smoke when they come out. That's amazing. And Daniel goes into a lion's den and God shuts the mouths of the lions. And then very next morning, the lions eat all the other bad guys. Man, that's awesome stuff. You know, and the, the, the parting of the Red Sea and all that, you hear, you know, Moses, you know, speaks for God and God literally peels the sea back and lets his people go back on dry land and you know we just don't tell the rest of that story but then there's all the army of of pharaohs come in there and they just wash them away and that's some awesome awesome truth and even today uh, archaeologically historically they've found that they keep the it's funny because the people that find all this stuff they're like hey anybody know at the bottom of the red sea you know there's a whole bunch of chariot parts down there how do they get there they're like from the ancient egypt days you go really well, let me show you. There's a, there's a story in here that goes exactly with those chariot parts that you find down there. So, it, I mean, it's all true stories that really happened. And when we were kids, you know, it was powerful to us, wasn't it? It was powerful. Now, when we grow up, you know, we come to big church. And in big church, we, you know, we talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and, you know, we parse some verses for you and we, we, we tell you the real important stuff of the Bible and we sort of skip over we skip over some of those stories. But you know what Psalm 23 really is? It's King David who slew Goliath, who ruled a nation that conquered more land than Israel ever conquered before by the power of God. It's King David saying, let me tell you how this works. And how it works is how you thought it worked as a child. We just forget sometimes. And he says, the Lord is my 
personal shepherd. That's the first verse. And, and the words he uses, by the way, there's not notes today. So all of you that are looking around trying to figure out, where is it? why isn't Emily bring me those notes? There's not any notes today. They're going to be short, and I want you to pay attention to me, not your notes. So, and there's not going to be anything on the screen, so don't freak out like everybody up here is failing. They're not. They're fine. Okay? I'm watching everybody look around and go, where are the notes? What's happening? Church is different today. Oh, no. Weird. So, but I, I want you to just hear this. You know, sometimes we overdo it. You know, and probably I should say sometimes I could overdo it. And we, we start exegeting things in details and, and we miss the, the beautiful story song of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no wants is literally what it says in the Hebrew. There's nothing else I need. Now, if you believe in the same God that, that we just talked about when you were a child that could you know, shut the mouths of lions and cause Samson to be strong enough to do all the things he did and, and overcome the enemies. If you believe in the God that could, could give David as a little shepherd boy the strength to take out, you know, Goliath, if you believe in that stuff, that same God is your personal shepherd. The, the Hebrew word in verse one for shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, um, has a dual meaning. And the first one is shepherd, like I'm going to watch over you. And clearly David, being raised as a shepherd boy himself, has that imagery in mind. But a shepherd was also, that. there's several words he could have used. The one he chooses to use is the one that means a shepherd friend. And in in the simplest language of the Old Testament, it actually means he's my pal. He's my buddy. The Lord is my pal. And if you were a little sheep like that little bitty one on the picture we saw a minute ago, if you were a little sheep, you needed a pal because you have no defense mechanisms. Zero. Sheep have zero ability to fight off bad things. I mean, they don't know how to, they, you know, bugs bother them and they can't solve that. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're very, very vulnerable. So David writes these words in a song. And David, by the way, who's been through enormous amount of trials, Psalm 23, you know, David's been captured by the enemy. He's been chased by that. We talked about last week, chased by the bad guys and the good guys. And the Israeli army chased him for a while when Saul was the king. Then, then the Philistines are always after him. He's always had enemies. And while he's struggling with this challenge, he says, the Lord is my personal shepherd and friend. The Lord is my personal shepherd and friend. Now that's a great line, right? But watch where it leads to. He says, the Lord is my personal shepherd and friend. He leads me... He, he, makes me lie down in green pastures. I was listening to a, a rabbi teach on this, and he says the word lie down is literally sprawl out. <laughs> it's like a, a pig in a hollow, I mean, in a wallow. He just, he, you're a sheep and you just, the, the grass is so thick and green and lush, you literally sprawl out in the grass. And he says, he says, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. What's green pasture to a sheep? It's, it's the food he needs. It's his sustenance. And then he leads me beside the still waters. And of course, a lot of you know the psalm and sheep can't be around running water. They get dizzy and fall in and then the wool makes them drown. So it's a bad idea to let sheep go near running water. Um, so, so the shepherds would find these streams and they would, they would build a block, uh, wall up in it so it would pool some water that would be really still. And that was where the sheep could drink. And so, so here's David saying, he's my personal shepherd and friend. And he provides me with the most amazing sustenance. And he makes sure that the water I drink is safe and it's easy for me to get to. 
That's what David understands about God. God's personal to him. Yahweh of heaven is personal to him. Very personal. The last two Sundays in our Not Afraid series, we've hit on this theme that if you don't want to be afraid about future events and uncertain futures for yourself and all that, if you want to be afraid about things you have to do just to talk to people, if you're like a non-conflict person like me and you still have to have talks with people that you're in conflict with, you don't want to be afraid during those times. You have to get the concept that God's a personal God. And we've studied it for three weeks in a row. You can go back and listen to our stuff online and, and hear in all the not afraid messages, he, He's a personal God. Last week, we said He was so personal. The Psalm 56 says He collects our tears in a bottle. He knows our wanderings. He collects our tears in a bottle. And then, da- and then David said last week in a Psalm, He said, And you are for me. And I love that phrase. I've meditated on that phrase for months now. God is for me. He's not against me. Like our culture wants you to think God's against you. No, He's for me. How much for me is He? David says, He's my shepherd and my friend. He makes me lie down, sprawl out in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And then here's a verse where He says, He restores my soul. You know what the most important part of you is? It's the thing that Jesus talks about in the New Testament, very important to guard. You know, what does it gain a man if he loses, if, gives, if he gains his whole life but loses his soul? And what does, what does God do but to restore our soul? That's his whole point of shepherding us, by the way, is to keep our soul protected, our soul secure from in heaven, and our soul restored. Now I'm going to do a series on the soul because I've been reading a book about the soul that's really, really changed me and helped me understand the soul different than I ever have. We'll do a series coming up in a few months about that, a month or so. Um, but Because I, I want you to understand how important your soul is. It's the most important thing you have, and you got to take care of it. you got to take care of it. The simple truth of this is you take care of your soul by obeying verse 2 in Psalm 23. You lie down in green pastures, and you drink still waters that God provides for you. You literally rest where He tells you to rest and nourish yourself on what He tells you to nourish yourself on. That's how your soul gets the best protection ever. And God's designed our world to make that happen for you. Now, the American culture has sort of ramped that up and pushed us away from it. But you can still discipline yourself to get soul rest and soul cleansing and soul strength from God if you'll create the discipline for yourself. And we'll talk about how to do that in in the upcoming series. So, He restores my soul. It says in verse uh, 3... But then verse 3 says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. God is literally our personal guide. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Now, as a sheep, can I wander away from the guidance? Absolutely. Can I walk towards unrighteousness? Yes. If I know Christ, my Lord and Savior, is the Holy Spirit going to woo me back and pull me back to Him? Yes. But in truth, the guidance of of God is always... In paths of righteousness. In paths of righteousness. That's important. This verse is very important to the next couple of verses, which goes with our series. He guides me in paths of righteousness. He's the perfect guide. I never need to doubt His guidance. Now, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and in in the Hebrew it's really, even though I walk through the valley of great darkness and shadows, it would be obviously the place that you're afraid of. And we had a little picture that um, you can't really see this because of the lighting, but uh, this looks like something out of the Hobbit movie. There's a couple of big creatures there with, with uh, 
the death or the uh, sickle, death sickle. They're, they're standing there with that deal. And there's a guy on this little bridge having to walk through this valley. But David actually, many times as a shepherd, would have had to walk through dark crevices and places in the mountain ranges and places places in the forest where wild animals could attack his sheep. He actually says to Saul at some point he was attacked by his sheep were attacked by a bear and a lion. He had to handle that. So David's saying, here's the deal with, with the Lord. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk in a place that's very, very, very dangerous, I will not fear. Now I want to ask you, how did you get in the valley of the shadow of death? How did we get there? Wait a minute. We were, we were in green pastures a minute ago. That sounded awesome. The green pastures was good. The still waters. Let's go back to the green pastures or the still waters. How, what am I doing in the valley of the shadow of death? Well, if the Lord is my shepherd and He's leading me in paths of righteousness, you know what? Sometimes He leads us right through the valley. Because to get where we need to go with Him, we have to go through the valley. He says that very clearly in the New Testament multiple times. He tells the disciples multiple times, you're going to be hated in this world. There's going to be some hard things that happen. Trouble's going to come to you. And when it does, you need to remember, I've given you the Holy Spirit as a promise and a protection and peace for you. So here I am following Him. Still waters, green grass. Oh, that's great. Then He says, hey, let's go through here. What are we doing over here? That's the valley of the shadow of death. But listen to what the psalmist says. And that's why I want to keep it real simple today. Here's what David says. The Lord is my personal shepherd and friend. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How can that be? Because you're with me. I followed you in here. You're with me. I followed you into this dark, shadowy, scary valley, and you are with me. And your rod and your staff... They comfort me. They're going to protect me and help me. It's a very powerful, powerful truth that David has in this psalm where he's literally just saying, he's literally just saying, it's okay for me to be in dark, dangerous, hard places. It's okay for me to be there. I will not fear evil. Now, as a kid, when you heard those stories of, you know, David facing Goliath and Samson facing all the people he faced and and all these, all these mighty men, Elijah up on the mountaintop, when you heard all those stories, um, you know, you just imagine they were somehow special. Those guys are exceptional superheroes of our Bible. The Bible says they're men just like us. They are just like us. And in truth, we can be just like them if we will have the the childlike faith that one of the young ladies up here said they, they love the story of Jesus holding the children. Jesus says, come unto me like a little child. Have faith like a little child. Where is that faith? Where is that excitement for us? You know, you know I, I was listening to uh, a guy on, on the uh, radio the other day and he was saying when, when we face difficulties as Christians, you know what we ought to do? We ought to go, man, I can't wait to see how God's going to Get me through that valley. I can't wait. I mean, he's... Because David's not saying, look, David's not saying, when I get ready to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because 
I know jujitsu. I'm good, man. Because I'm well trained. I'm good with a bow. I'm good with my slingshot. And I got all these cool skills and you know, nothing can mess with me. That's not what David's saying. That's what we think he's acting like. And that's how we translate what he's saying. The truth is David's saying, you're with me. I can't wait to see how you're going to handle all that mess up there. All those creatures that are hanging over that ledge trying to get us. You're going to just take care of them. We're going to walk right on through this. That is faith and trust in a sovereign God that is our shepherd and our friend. And it starts with you just acknowledging, God, you're my shepherd. You're my friend. And even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You don't have to be afraid. What I'm trying to tell you as Christians today, whatever the future holds for any of us, there's no fear for us. You know, and Christians are some of the worst people in the world to reign on the faith of young people. I'm just going to tell you a couple of quick thoughts about how that worked with me. We've got a lot of young people in our church today. Some of them are going to be baptized. We've got a lot of others that are seeking full-time and they believe God's calling them into ministry roles and serving roles and giving roles to the local church. And, and our young people, our youth group and college students are stepping up in huge ways. We are very blessed as a church to have that. I'm proud of all you guys that have that in your heart and your mind to do. Okay, uh, And I love seeing you guys minister to the adults. Uh, we, I challenge some of our kids at camp to go around and love on the adults at church, man. That, that's a very important deal it's to, to make everybody feel welcome. I love seeing you guys exercise your faith to do that. But listen, when, so, sometimes when youth have visions and callings from God, as adults, we try to talk them out of it because we're wiser, smarter. And I'm telling you, it's dangerous for us to do that. When, when I first accepted my call to full-time ministry, I was in this church as a youth, and I was right down here at this knot. This is my knot. That's Brandon's knot, by the way. Both pastors have knots up here with knot heads. So... But here's the deal. I had this knot that I knelt at and trusted, and God called me to full-time ministry, and, and Brother David J. Jones led me in, in uh, direction to go off to Bible college. And I was all excited that day. I mean, I was pumped, pumped. Just, whoo, this is amazing. I don't know what's happening. And I was in engineering school at, at South Alabama. In my, back then we had quarters. I was in my third quarter and doing real good and had clipped a bunch of classes, and I was on this road to engineering. And I told a bunch of people, especially my family, that God had called me to be a pastor. A bunch of Christian people. Some even in our church back then. They're not here now. But some even in our church back then. And you know what they said? Are you sure? I mean, you got this engineering thing set. I mean, your career is set for life. You know, back in the 70s, that's an $80,000 a year job. Three years from now, you're going to be making $80,000 a year. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I was, you know... 19 years old, 18 years old. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what number, I don't know, I don't do math at that level. <laughs> so, but I'm like, but, but God is calling me. I'm like, no, that's, uh, you gotta be sure about that. And I remember wrestling. I had some very close, close friends of mine, some people that I really respected do everything they could to talk me out of going to Bible college. Everything they could. Because they thought they were helping me. And they thought I was making an irrational decision. I was really making a childlike faith moment where I said, I know God called me from that pew right there 
If I were Jenna sitting to right here, I know God called me into full-time ministry to be a pastor like David J. Jones. And I'm here as the pastor of Northside, which was the church he founded, by the way. So long story short, full circle, that's exactly what God taught, called me to do there. Did I have to struggle to get there? Oh, my goodness. Did I have exactly what did, well, some of the people predicted? You're going to have these bills at Bible college. You have no idea how you're going to pay those bills. <laughs> Boy, did that happen. Back in those days, they literally denied you the chance to take your final if your bill wasn't paid. And so right before the finals, you get this bill in the mail. It says, you owe $3,000. I'm working as a janitor for a little church up there in Birmingham, you know, making four bucks an hour or whatever it was back then, three eighty-five or something like that, an hour. You know, it barely kept gas in the car to get it back and forth to work. How am I going to pay $3,000 by Tuesday if it's Friday? You know, and then David J. Jones, pastor of this church, calls me. And he goes, hey, I remember when my sons were in that college, they had this little deal, you couldn't take your test unless your bills were paid. How's your bill coming? <laughs> Funny you should ask. I won't be taking any finals next week because <laughs> I can't pay the bill. He goes, well, let me work on that. Let me pray about that. You know, and God blessed some people here at the church to send some money and we pay, and they paid the bill. And then, the, you know, the next semester, something else happened. And, you know, my mom came into some money that we didn't know she was going to come into, and she snuck it away from my dad and got it up to me, and it paid off the bill. You know, and then the next semester, something else happened. And four years in a row, I went to Bible college without ever taking out a student loan. I went to Bible college and paid off all those debts because God right here said, I want you to be a pastor like David J. Jones. Was it stupid? Absolutely. Did I have any idea what I was doing? Not a clue. When, when I got to Bible college, I didn't even have a pillow with me. I'm going to live at the dorm, and I didn't even bring my pillows because I'm like, well, they have pillows there. They don't have pillows there. It's a dorm, you idiot. You know, they have a bed, but they don't have pillows. So then I had to find a store that sold pillows, and for the first time in my life, I had to go buy a pillow. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, is that a good pillow? I don't know. It's cheap. Okay, that's a good pillow then. I mean, that's how Bible college worked for me. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. You know, even got married clueless, and she'd tell you, we're clueless. Do you have a plan for your income to raise a family? Not a chance. Did we have three kids on $9,000 a year? Yes. Was I working full-time for a little church that was paying all they could pay? Yes. Did people tell us it'll never work? You're, you're going to go upside down in this? I'm going, yeah. I just know what God says He will do, He will do. You understand? So when these young people have dreams and visions and plans and hopes... Let's not rain on them. Let's go, hey, let's trust God with you to figure this out. Let's look to see what God can do with your life way bigger. God says He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's how my life has been lived. And it's no praise to me because I'm just a dumb little country boy that came out of Sims. It's called Pine Tucky down here now. It was called the Sticks when I was a kid. I lived in the Sticks right up the road here. When I went to high school, they said, oh, you live out in the sticks. Yeah, it's a dirt road. It's called sticks. Okay? But I'm telling you, I'm that kid from there that went to Bible college when people told me not to and went to serve in churches that people said, you know, you're never going to be able to pay the bills with that. I mean, everything about my ministry has been wrong to a bunch of people, but right to God because I followed in faith like a child, like a child. Now, where's your faith? I'm not just asking you today. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, my personal shepherd. He's going to lead me in paths of righteousness. When I left the church in Birmingham, half of our friends in Birmingham 
literally begged us not to come take this little tiny country church. Man, you'll be back. You'll be back. That's what everybody said. When I left to go to, to Birmingham to Bible college, a whole bunch of my friends said, oh, you'll be back. You'll get up there and run out of money. I even had somebody say, hey, when you run out of money up there and you need money to get home on, call me and I'll wire you enough money to get gas in your car and I'll help you get a job. I'll help you get a job when you get back. So it was like planned failure for me right there. Then I go to Birmingham, minister for 20-something years up there. I'm in a big church up there, and God calls me to this church. And a bunch of my friends go, man, you'll be back. Mm. Never going to work down there at Northside. That's a little, little bitty thing. They don't know. Mm -mm. That's a bad idea. You're going backwards. I'm going, God called me. God called me here. Amen? Fifteen years ago? Fifteen years ago? And here we are, going to have baptism today with a whole bunch of kids and I'm just telling you, don't doubt what God can do just because it gets dark or weird or hard. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I have no other need. Just walk by faith in Him. Amen? Walk by faith in Him. That's what I'm asking you to do. Now, I'll just finish out with you. So He prepares a table before me, before my enemies. You know, it, this is actually a picture where He says... The Lord's going to prepare a table and invite your enemies to it. you got to be kidding me, God. We've already been through the valley. <laughs> Why are we getting our enemies here? Because God wants you to know, I got this. Your enemies are never going to mess with you while I'm here at the table. And by the way, we're supposed to love our enemies, aren't we? What's the table invite them to be? Hey, will you, get, you want to get to know the shepherd? I know, you, I know you're all stressed out over there and you're sort of mad at me about stuff, but would you like to get to know the shepherd at the table? He's amazing, man. He invited you to this table. We have, we have the opportunity to confront our enemies with love if we'll follow the shepherd. We have the opportunity to confront our enemies with love if we'll just follow the shepherd. So he prepares a table before my enemies. Then it says he anoints my head with oil, which was comforting, life-giving oil. Um, and my cup runs over. The Hebrew word isn't run over. It just means it stays full. When you drink from it, it stays full. Like when you're at a good restaurant and the waitress just doesn't ever let your sweet tea get empty. That's what it says. God says, hey, you need something to satisfy you? Drink that. Oh, you want more? Drink that. Drink. It never, never goes empty. That's exactly what the Bible says. It never, ever goes empty. So here's the Lord saying to us, and I love this last two verses, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We studied this a few months ago. It'll radaf, the Hebrew word. Radaf. Say that, radaf. Radaf, say it. Surely goodness and mercy will radaf me. It literally means to hunt you down. The grace and mercy and love and goodness of God will chase you down and catch you. Now, I'm not going to ask for testimonies this morning, but I know a bunch of you can give testimonies of exactly how that works that you were wandering away from God as a sheep in His fold, and He chased you down and brought you back to Him. Because goodness and mercy will follow us, chase us down all the days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what David's saying? Man, I'll walk through that valley. Shadows, that's no problem for me. I'll walk through the valley of shadows any time because, A, I'm following the shepherd who's got this rod and staff. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in there. There's no worries for me in there. I'm right with him. And by the way, if something happens to me, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm a win-win. You can't hurt me because I'm following Christ. 
And He is going to protect me and help me through all the hard things and the dark things. He's going to be right there with me. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no other wants. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Some of you are new to us today. We're glad to have you as our guest. And the truth is, as our shepherd, as a shepherd, the Lord wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if you never trusted Christ as your Savior, the only way to have that relationship is to ask Jesus to come into your heart, cleanse you from your sins. You have to acknowledge that you've sinned against God. So if you've never done that, I'd love for you to take a chance to do that with us today. And uh, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now in your mind and your heart's beating kind of fast and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And the truth is, God is wanting to um, become your best friend, your shepherd and your friend. And He's asking you to invite Him in today. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer out loud. You can pray quietly but sincerely to the Lord these words and let the Lord become your shepherd and your best friend and your Savior Redeemer. So pray these words. If you've never prayed them before, I'd love for you to do it today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I need to invite you into my life. I want a shepherd to guide me. I want someone to protect me. And I need somebody to forgive me of my sins. So I ask you to come in. I trust that you died on the cross to pay for my sins and that all my sins are washed away at the cross. And I give you my life now. I pray you to help me follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you just, without any shame, there's definitely no fear needed here in our sanctuary, but would you just lift up your hand and let us know you prayed that prayer? Anybody? I know sometimes we have folks that trust Christ. All right. 